When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, everybody? I'm going to initiate a call to action for everyone to donate $1.99 so that you can access the back catalog of the podcast as well as to help your podcast grow. I'm trying to grow the podcast and I want to do that with you guys and make it better and brighter and bring you more information. So if you want to access the back catalog and help support me as an artist, I appreciate you. And please donate at anchor.fm underneath Lockdown Universe. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Lockdown Universe, home of the bizarre, peculiar, and unheard of stories of UFO legend and paranormal lore. Welcome back, welcome back, happy to be back. Hopefully you guys are doing well and taking care of yourself. So today, got an interesting one. Uh, it's about a bioship. Bioship that appeared to be pre- made of, I guess, uh, biological uh, material, like as if the alien species that created it created it with parts of their own flesh. And what I mean by that is like they connected their DNA to this ship. It wasn't a nuts and bolts <laughs> per se ship. It was a ship that was very, very interesting. I'm going to get into it, <laughs> but before I do it, I'm going to tell you my sources and, and where, where I get the information and, and how we get to the bio ship. So, uh, the information comes from Emery Smith, um, uh, on an episode of Gaia and really interesting because what he talks about is being a lab tech in, uh, the Los Alamos and Sandia labs area. What's interesting is it, this is all in New Mexico, man. This is all New Mexico stuff. You know, you think you think about like where we do most of our alien technology. It's all down there in the desert. So he stated that's where he was working and that um, he was actually doing a dissection of an alien at the time. So what he was doing was he was dissecting um, the reproductive organs of a particular alien and We'll get to what the alien looks like in a second, too. But what he found uh, interesting was this day was like no other day. He actually found out that um, his managers, where he worked, uh, were going to send him off to a ship that he had never seen before. So what he was, how his laboratory is set up is kind of like, almost imagine... <clears throat> Like in those old schools, right? These old like universities, how they had kind of like an auditorium and then circles around the operating uh, doctors as as they're doing the operations on maybe a cadaver, and they'd watch as it was done. So there's like there's like uh, concentric circles that go around the center of the room, so everyone can get a clear view. And so he was in a circular room, um, but behind behind him and, and in the walls was just blacked out glass. So 
that they could keep it compartmentalized, right? Because that's what the government's all about, is keeping it compartmentalized. So they'd ask him to cut pieces, pieces of the bodies out, the tissue samples, and then send them through this like little bank drawer that would go in between his room and the next room. Uh, you know how those bank drawers are at the at the banks where you put your little deposit slip in and it goes through. So that's that's what he was doing. That was his job for the day was to uh, cut some pieces from the reproductive organ of this alien um, and send them through. What they what they did was the managers of Emery basically told him to stop. Stop what you're doing. We need you to make a run. And he's like, a run? What are you talking about? And this was, like I said, this is a day like any other, unlike any other. And they said, we need you to make a run. Uh, we're going to give you uh, this this tablet. They called it a folder, but it was a translucent, basically, tablet that was very thin, futuristic, and had tons of information on it. Uh, could hold thousands of terabytes on it. So um, they gave him the, the folder tablet folder and sent him about his way now he had to go through uh, an underground maglev train magnetic levitation train and go to another section of the base now keep in mind these bases in new Mexico are humongous right they go miles and miles deep they go miles and miles long so he was sent on this maglev train uh, with himself and uh, another scientist and when he when the maglev train stopped he got out and it looked like, you know, a very clean subway station, you know, not, not like a New York subway station, but just an area where this uh, maglev train stopped. And he was met with a security guard and that was about it. So he said it was very empty down there. You could hear a pin drop and, you know, it was just complete silence. So as he was walked um, down a a 10 minute walk down a hallway with multiple doors on each side. It was all white. He was walked down this hallway to a specific location at the end of the hallway, 10 minutes down. And uh, you might think to yourself, why didn't they maglev train him down 10 more minutes? Well, it didn't go farther. He was at the base. He had to walk. Um, so he walks down and he notices that each door has its own biometric entry system. So you'd have to use your hand or your eyes um, to, to, get the, to get access to that area. And what they were doing is with the security systems that they had, they were actually checking your DNA. They were doing visual checks as well with the, the optic, optic checks, but then they would also do a DNA check. So like you can't fake a DNA. You can fake a fingerprint. You can't fake DNA. So, um, so that was pretty interesting. But he stated that once he got to the end, it was this huge huge uh room you know kind of like a um a hangar and once he got into the hangar he noticed that there was this ship that was on top of a uh like kind of like a metal stand to keep it at about a nine foot height so that it could stand and not be on the floor and um, they could access the bottom of the ship so he stated that this ship was red and it looked like like um a jello mold and the jello molds like a jello tree almost so like there would be a, a narrow section at the top and then it would round out to a middle section and then round out even further to the base section so three kind of separate sections 
and it was all red. However, it did kind of have the appearance of jello in one way. The the first foot or two to the ship all looked red translucent. So a little bit of red uh, reddish tint to the translucent uh, first couple feet. And then once you got past that, you would be able to see a darker red, indicating there was like some more solidity within this uh, particular ship. So he stated that he was there to actually take a sample from the ship. So uh, he said that he was able to go underneath the ship, and as he got under the ship, there were thousands of what appeared to be uh, small spheres. But imagine taking a baseball and cutting it in half, and then taking that half and gluing it to the bottom of the ship. He said that there were basically half spheres, uh, thousands of them, on the bottom of the ship. So it must have been a pretty big ship, because, I mean, baseballs, I'm holding one in my hand right now. Um, you know, to have thousands of them on the bottom, you know, take take a bit. Um, so he went into the bottom of the ship, um, and that's where the entry point was. So um, he was told to take a sample from the bottom of the ship and from inside the ship. Now, what's interesting is when he cut into the bottom of the ship, you would think he would need, you know, some sort of like arc welding tool or some sort of metal working tool. However, in this ship, all he needed was, um, was a tool to cut through flesh. The, the ship itself was actually made of what appeared to be a flesh-like material. Any type of tissue material is kind of what Emery was used to working with. And so the tool he used um, is a, a tool that doesn't utilize uh, laser cutting. It, use, it utilizes frequency. Uh, so it... it um, blasts out a frequency. I think it's 50,000 hertz. And what it does is it cuts through the, the tissue and it doesn't damage it. And it also uh, cauterizes it at the same time so that it doesn't bleed anymore. So it actually, it, you can actually buy this tool now. Um, it's actually made available to the public. Um, and he said it would become a become made available to the public years ago, which it is now. Um, so it's really cool. Um, and so that's what he used to cut through the ship, but it wasn't metal. It was like a fleshy, uh, like tissue substance. So he cut out the exterior portion of the tissue that he needed. And then he went inside the ship, which was in the center of the bottom of the ship. And he was able to go up through it. When he did, it was a tunnel, like kind of like a circular, um, cylinder that he would go up through. So he thought it was the middle of the ship and the way that you get into the ship, but he didn't see any controls because he was kind of like in the middle of the cylinder it wasn't like he was like walking into a floor of the ship. It was more like being like walking up through like kind of like a coffin almost um, where you're kind of like just inside of a small cylinder. Um, and he had to take a sample from a certain section of the cylinder, which was towards the top of the ship inside of it. So when he did and he was getting up towards the top inside, he noticed that there was a light that was pulsing on and off. He said it was like how uh, Apple's computers would have this like pulsing light in the middle of the night to let you know it's on. And he felt like this ship was still alive, or was actually alive, I should say. Um, that it had its own consciousness, that it had its own um, feelings, and that it was, it was alive, and kind of letting him know that. 
and he didn't want to hurt it, um, but he still needed to do his job and take his samples, which he did. So what he did was what they call a, um, a puncture um, biopsy. And so it's just like the size of the eraser on a pencil, and that's all the material that he needed from that, that portion. And then he left, brought it back, and started to work again on the alien, who apparently was from this ship. Because, and if you waited till this point, good job for you, because you're about to have a nice surprise. The alien isn't like any alien you ever heard of before. The alien itself was also red, just like the ship. It was similar in humanoid shape to humans. However, it had very long arms, very long fingers, 30% longer than our fingers, Emery stated. He also stated that uh, the head um, and the face came to a point. So imagine kind of like an egg, but you molding the egg towards the, towards the side or the front of the nose area all to a point. Instead of just having a nose to the point, the entire head would come to kind of a point in the front. He stated that the eyes were completely white. Um, and in the middle of each eye, which there was only two, um, was even whiter than the rest of the white. So that's probably where their irises are, was his, his estimation. He didn't have to work on the eyes. He was working on the reproductive system. Now, what's really cool about the, the reproductive system is, his, he actually talked about this since he worked on it, he stated that he believed that um, these species only give birth once um, and they may die shortly thereafter because they had um, four chambers to the uterus, which, which means they would give birth to four children at the same time um, when they became pregnant. So he stated he felt that they would probably die shortly thereafter uh, if they did survive. You know, if they did survive, it would be a pretty low chance. Um, and we know that's true. There are some species on Earth that have that same situation where they give birth and die um, shortly thereafter. Um, so this alien was pretty interesting. Um, he said it was about five foot five, um, longer arms than us, longer legs than us um, in relation to the body, but that it was very symmetrical at the same time. Um, so it, it's interesting because there are a lot of humanoid-like aliens out there that are very similar to us, just a little bit different, different color, different, different eyes maybe, different structure to the face, but we're all kind of the same, you know? Some of us might have more telepathic capabilities, some of us might have a little bit more different biology, but there's a lot of us that are pretty much bipedal, humanoid-like figures. And I, I guess the humanoid term really should be changed because, you know, it's, it's based on our biases, but the humanoid shape is really just the two arms, two legs, and a head, you know, starfish kind of model. Um, there, there's other types of aliens out there that um, are different than us, very different. Um, but there seems to be kind of this repetition in nature to replicate the bipedal humanoid uh, type shape. So that's the ship. Did you see it do anything spectacular? No, it was it was placed on a, um, a like a like a stage, like a nine foot stage, so that they could have access to the bottom. Um, the creature, the alien that he was working on, was interesting. 
the, the flesh, that's, that's the most important thing about the whole story. The flesh of the ship was this, had the same DNA as the flesh of the alien. So this, these aliens are making these ships, he stated, in space, utilizing their DNA as well. And the ship then becomes this extension of you that you're able to communicate with because it is you. It is your DNA. It is part of you. So you're able to communicate with it easily quickly and you're able to navigate the ship you're able to um, know if it's having any issues immediately it's um what it is is it's quantum physics isn't it it's action at a spooky distance which is really just quantum physics it's your cells being slightly divided by space but still able to be in communication with each other to facilitate your needs so, truly fascinating story, truly fascinating just events, <laughs> and Emery just continues to fascinate and uh, bring us some really, 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 really interesting stories. So, I'm going to continue to bring them to you. Uh, I hope you, I hope it gives you something to chew on. Um, I like the fact that they're different aliens than what we're used to. I think that's always fun, um, and to learn about new new ships and how they work and how they operate and every time we hear these stories about bio ships it just lends uh veracity to the fact that um there's more and more stories about these created ships that look organic i remember hearing my very first podcast was about jonathan wagant and he stated that it looked like the ship was like created with like this like mesh and like looked like it was made in somebody's backyard and it it's interesting because, you know, these ships don't have to follow our model of hard metal and hard nuts and bolts. They could be ships that are made out of DNA. They could be ships that are made out of, uh, you know, their own flesh. They can be ships that are made out of plant life. I mean, as long as they do what they need to do, which is teleport you from one port, one area to another, or transport you, I should say, from one, one area to another, that's all they need to do. They don't have to fly with wings like our primitive airplanes do. So, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I hope you guys are taking care of yourself spiritually, physically, and emotionally. And as always, keep your eyes on the sky and question the universe. It's a big universe out there. We've got lots of questions and we continue to un unravel <laughs> all the answers. Until next time, guys, take care. Lockdown Universe out.